Let's sell liberty and look good doing it with Proud Libertarian. Folks, when we're selling liberty, we have to start things off by peaking interest. And what better way to peak some interest than by rocking some amazing apparel from Proud Libertarian. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Do Good Recklessly t-shirt, but there's more than t-shirts to find from awesome taxationist theft snapbacks to the killer Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death hoodies. Proud Libertarian has all the libertarian swag you need. And guess what? Brian Nichols Show audience members can rock the latest libertarian swag and save some cash on every single order. All you have to do, use code TBNS at checkout and you'll get 10% off your entire cart at checkout. That's right. Each time you order, use code TBNS and you'll instantly get 10% off your entire order. Listen, I am super excited to have Proud Libertarian here as a sponsor on The Brian Nichols Show. So do me a favor, head over there to Proud Libertarian, place your order today, use code TBNS at checkout, save 10% on your order and help support libertarian entrepreneurs today. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Wednesday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on another fun-filled episode. Yes, I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, and today I am joined by a returning guest and one guest I am always so excited to talk to, the one and only Matt Kibbe from Free the People and Kibbe on Liberty. And now, if you're familiar with Matt Kibbe and his amazing team, you know that they are phenomenal at telling stories. And when we're talking about sales, we talk about having to not only peak interest, but when we're talking about bringing people from one point to the other, right, the reality gap, we have to paint a better picture. So Matt Kibbe joins the show to tell how storytelling can help paint that better picture, a tool in the tool belt that we can use when we're trying to help change people's minds by showing them solutions through stories. A great conversation, as always, with Matt Kibbe. So that being said, on to the show, Matt Kibbe here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian, how's it going? It's going good, Matt. Thank you so much for joining the program. It's been a long time since we last connected, but... I mean, it feels longer, I think, because it's an era of COVID when I was down in D.C. back in December when I was on your show and we got to do the face to face before, I guess, D.C. went under military occupation. Things have been a little weird down in D.C., to say the least, huh? At my house, I, I literally had to show my papers to get back into the block where I could get into my front door. So, so yeah, like all of my dystopian nightmares came true. Um, with the with the assault on the Capitol and the never ending lockdowns and our mayor is an absolute lunatic. So I've been asking my wife why I live in Washington, D.C., and she hasn't come up with a good answer, but it doesn't matter because she's in charge. <laughs> Terry knows uh, what, what works, and that is, uh, hey, you know, she's the one in charge. So why not let Terry be in control? But Matt, hey, I got you today for at least, you know, a solid half an hour. And 
what I wanted to talk about is what you've been doing phenomenally over at Free the People and over at Kibion Liberty, and that's focusing on telling stories. Um, so what we've been doing here at the show, and last time you were on the show, we kind of talked about this transition away from talking specifically about libertarian politics, you know, libertarians being right, and focusing more on solutions and using the the my, my background in sales and being a sales executive, focusing on helping not only be problem solvers, uncovering those uh, problems that we see out there as not just libertarians, but as a society by and large, we see the, the same problems, but looking for those solutions, right? And and part of the sales process is what we call you know, the reality gap. And, and in that reality gap, we have to paint a better future for the person in order to help transition them to saying, oh, this might be a solution I can consider and maybe even want to learn more about. So I find that telling stories is one of the best ways to start with that reality gap. So Matt, you've been telling a lot of stories over at Free the People. Let's kind of go through what have been some of the best types of stories that you've been able to articulate over at Free the People that have really piqued some people's interest. You know, we talked about this last time, but uh, my my conclusion after many years of being a full-fledged libertarian trained economist is that most people don't process information that way. They process information through their emotions and particularly their personal connection with somebody else. So that that was the whole rationale behind Free the People and storytelling. And if my wife was here, she would get mad right now because I'm going to quote Hayek as a rationale for what we do, which is exactly what you shouldn't do, by the way. Um, but, you know, Hayek in his, his book, Intellectuals and uh, his, his essay, Intellect, The Intellectuals and Socialism, tells us that one of the problems that that we libertarians have is that we're constantly trying to fix things at the margin and we're sort of making fun of the other side. And he and he calls for a liberal utopia, liberal in the classic sense. And I feel like what we need to do more of is actually get to a point where we can inspire people with what free people could do together. Um, to lift each other up, to solve problems, to make for a more beautiful world, to create better music, better art, to lift people out of poverty, all these beautiful, positive things that we're trying to do. Um, but we have to put a face on it. And and the, the utopian idea that we stumbled across over a year ago is something called restorative justice. And we've made a documentary about this. A community in Longmont, Colorado is actually working um, I think they're about a decade into replacing uh, their traditional top-down justice system with with restorative justice, which is bottom-up, community-based um, process that you can make the victim of a crime whole. In the process of, of focusing on the victim, you can also find a path to redemption for the person that committed the crime, get him out of the system, and avoid that that death cycle of recidivism. So, in some ways. That story is more compelling to me than our typical stories about criminal justice reform. We're yeah. mad about yeah. corrupt cops. We're mad about about uh, police militarization. We're mad about about mass incarceration, and we we are justly angry about those things. But let's tell a beautiful bottom up, community based story about how people can solve these problems outside of the government system. It happens to be a radically libertarian solution, but it's also emotionally appealing because people do believe in responsibility. People believe in redemption. People believe that instead of paying a debt to society, you should actually pay a debt to the person that was harmed in the first place. 
And we're tapping into those core American values. I think they're core human values. Well, I mean, mean, you don't have have to look too far. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff, Matt. I mean, that's from a great book I got to read there back a, a while ago. I, I know a particular author who wrote that. We talked about it over on your show. You might know him. Um, but yeah, folks, come on. Go ahead and read Matt's book. It's it's like an all-time classic. But really, this is the idea that I think basing my show upon, the basing of how we can present these ideas to your average person, that right there might be part of the, the difference is this communication gap. We... And I think I actually brought this up when I was over on your show is sometimes when we're we're talking to people, we're like speaking a different language. And it, yep. it, it literally comes off like we we don't care. We come off so unempathetic, like we don't care about the people that are being currently taken care of by the current government solution. Now, we don't have to necessarily say like we don't have to go in and say right away, like, oh, my God, the government solution you know, is 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 terrible. But we can start to condition them to look at other solutions beyond that government control. And to your point, start to go towards the private sector where we know we can see some actual long-term uh, you know, solutions that will actually help people. <laughs> and that's, I think, yeah. the key, Matt, right, is, is actually getting people to a point where they're no longer looking to government as that, you know, that, that alternative. And instead, they can look to their neighbor or they can look to a private entity and feel that the, the need that they have, the problem that they see can be solved right, right then and there. Yeah. And I, I think, I think uh, for better or worse, lockdowns and all of the damage caused by these one-size-fits-all top-down solutions to a pandemic, this is an opportunity to explain how it is that bottom-up, community-based, local solutions uh, based on individual choices and the needs of actual people are, are a better path forward. And, and I, th- I think it's righteous and, and politically effective to rage against the machine. We've talked about this before. Um, we should be angry at the lives and the businesses and the the educations of children that have been destroyed during this pandemic, but we also happen to have this alternative solution. And you're seeing this happen in education. A lot of parents are opting out and they're they're sort of innovating on the fly. They're creating community-based pods to, to lift some of the burden off of individual parents, some of whom can't take the time to do the full homeschooling um, thing, but they've, they've come up with an economically feasible way to do that. And that's just parents that have probably never read a single book that you and I have read about libertarianism, but they're looking at the unbendable government-run system and discovering that 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 machine doesn't give a damn about their kids. So we, we have to like tell the stories of what they're doing about it. And yes, school choice is part of it. And yes, homeschooling is part of it. And maybe unschooling is part of it, but I suspect that parents are going to come up with better solutions. And we're we're in the process right now at Free the People, working on a documentary, talking to some of those parents about why they're doing what they're doing and why they're discovering in that process that the entire old system, you know, putting uh, herding kids into these boxes every day, it just wasn't ideal in the first place. It ignores the individual needs and talents and, and aspirations of every child and they're discovering that so out of um, the crisis comes an opportunity on something like education but I think that's true across the board yeah I just had Dr. Patrick Moore on the show here on Monday 
And uh, with the conversation we were having, one of the things he brought up was every time you have an extinction event, that life somehow not only finds a way to come back, but often is ends up thriving exponentially more so than it was prior to the extinction event. And I think that right there kind of speaks to we need to, and I don't want to say we need to have an extinction event, but more so we need to start looking at, well, what's going to happen when the extinction event happens to the government? Because I think we're all starting to realize that the the bubble that has been blowing more and more and more up, especially over the past two years with just the skyrocketing spending, the skyrocketing printing of money, now we're starting to see, oh, maybe this federal government isn't necessarily, you know, this gigantic entity that can do all these magical, wonderful things. Maybe this magical money tree, it doesn't actually exist. And this is really a paper tiger. And and now people, I think, are starting to say, okay, what's next? <laughs> we have to yeah. start looking for solutions. Yeah, and you know, to go back to that Hayek essay, he, he says that, that perhaps the best way to get meaningful social change is to be the problem solvers when the shit hits the fan. I don't think that's how he said it exactly, but more or we less. all know we all know what happens when you dump trillions of funny money onto the economy. We all know what happens when you replace um, people's willingness to work with the, with the promise of a check, and, and you're actually seeing a lot of that hostility amongst uh, employees who really don't want the customers to come back. It's a it's a bizarre dynamic. It's so corrupting, but we have to be there when things get bad with positive bottom-up solutions. And and I, I've I've become more and more of the opinion that that we shouldn't go to Washington D.C. Uh, maybe we shouldn't even go to state capitals, sort of hat in hand, saying, "Please stop being so crazy." Here's here are these legislative solutions to our problems. I think we should be more radical in that in terms of trusting the genius of people and their ability to sort of hack these problems in a in a meaningful way and that that's exactly what's happening on education i think that's where the drive for restorative justice came from in the first place because they you know the system the i call it the prison industrial complex and and there's broad agreement across the political spectrum evangelicals on the right progressives on the left, libertarians were there before anybody else was on this subject, and yet the system persists. And there's this political equilibrium, kind of like we see on lockdowns, where they just keep marching forward, even though everybody knows the system is broken. And the only way to hack that is outside of government. It's from it's driving public opinion, it's, it's re-establishing re those core values, and letting people figure it out for themselves. So call it the wisdom of crowds, call it whatever you want to call it, but but that's a beautiful thing, and we don't need to be angry about it. We just need to embrace the beauty. So, Matt, is there a... Because I'm, I'm asking this, I know you went the political route back when you were helping with the Tea Party, back in the old days, right? With, with getting Justin Amash and Rand Paul and Thomas Massey, Mike Lee elected. That was the goal because they were focusing on truly a small L libertarian pro-liberty solution. Now, you look... And I say, I see this a lot where there's people who just, they completely have turned off from the political uh, sphere in terms of actually getting things accomplished. But I mean, looking right now, the unfortunate reality is the government is the one with the monopoly on the guns. And I mean, well, maybe not the monopoly on the guns, but the monopoly on violence because they're the ones who can actually get away with it. So how can we, in that very delicate balance, start to present these solutions and then... <laughs> 
I guess, not play the political game? Because I think, is it fair to say we do have to start to, to pull a lot of this government red tape back just in order to let those private non-government solutions thrive? Yeah, it's, um, and I, I would, obviously, I have decided to go upstream of politics, having spent a lot of time trying to make the Republican Party liberty. And I'm, I'm proud of what we accomplished. I'm disappointed we didn't accomplish more. And I'm, I'm damn glad that Rand Paul and Mike Lee and Thomas Massey and Justin Amash, when he was there, um, they made a big difference um, at the margin. And, and even Barack Obama acknowledges in his most recent book that the Tea Party stopped him from doing almost all of the things that he wanted to do. And, and that's not nothing. But upstream is where it's at for me. And I believe in, in a division of labor. I'm, I'm kind of a Maoist when it comes to strategy. I'm being facetious and yet, yet not. Um, I want to let a thousand flowers bloom. Um, but to me, the magic is the power of this technology that we're using right now. The magic is our ability to reach people outside of our philosophical bubble, outside of uh, the political realm, outside of the Fox News, MSNBC tribes. Um, we, have, we have a chance to talk to, to people that would never really give a damn about politics at all. They're, they're more interested in their lives and their families and their futures. Um, that's an opportunity for us. And, and I watched a video today. Um, there was a band and a gathering of young people. I think it was in Hyde Park in London. Um, maybe it was as soon as, as early as yesterday, where um, the, the cops tried to come in and break up this, this voluntary gathering of people. And in a very smart way, when the cops started pushing, the crowd pushed back in a nonviolent way. And that's, that's essential to, to how this story ends. Uh, there were so many people that wanted to be free in that park on that day that the man was unable to stop them. They, and they event, eventually abandoned the project and people were free again. Um, think about that in the context of public opinion and how it is that we all, when we, when we put our minds to something and we understand what's going on and we want to solve a solution, we don't actually need permission. We don't need Joe Biden to buy in. We don't need the U.S. Senate to buy in. We don't need governors to buy in. Just think about the power of people to change the process. And maybe that sounds a little hippy-dippy, and I'm kind of a hippy-dippy myself, but I, I think it's all about opinion. And it's all about where people want to go and politics will follow naturally. So one of the things I get excited about being in the private sector and specifically in the, the cyber security and telecommunication industry, let's let's focus maybe on that for a hot sec, because you know, I never thought it'd be an industry I would be working in. But one of the, the beauties of this industry is, to your point, being able to see how the private sector has been able to help solve, and in many cases with the innovations in the R&D departments, just completely just the technology is, is exponentially getting better every single year. And then you take that into consideration with every single new generation that's coming out as the, the technology that they're learning. Like it, there's a great quote from Jason Dorsey um, who wrote a book called Z Economy and he was looking at Generation Z. And one of the quotes he mentioned was for every single uh, generation that it's only a new technology if they don't remember the technology before it. So as we continue to have all this brand new revolutionary technology that becomes the status quo, 
it, it becomes so intuitive and part of just how you do things that then instead of thinking about the things of, of yesteryear, the things that used to take a lot longer to do, now you can start to think about, and, and this actually kind of goes to like, you know, the, the, the uh, Marx, uh, Karl Marx approach, like letting people be able to do the things they want to do, right? To be actually find your value in your what you enjoy doing. And this right here is actually speaking to, well, if you want to accomplish that, you need to have the ability for the marketplace to constantly be innovating so you're always getting better every single time that some new advancement comes out because then the next generation comes and they can constantly improve exponentially as we grow. I mean, goodness, Matt, you and I both have these little devices in our pocket that 50 years ago, I mean, if you were to even pretend, you know, in, in a world you're, you're trying to make believe in, in you know, it's great transition. How about this? We're, I want to talk about Star Wars because I'm a big Star Wars fan. We're recording here a couple of days before May. Or actually, no, we're recording the day before uh, May the 4th and, and coming up here the day after as we're airing this episode. But I mean, you would think this is all sci-fi. And to paraphrase my good friend Shane Hazel, uh, whose who's grandpa used to say it's PFM and pardon the language, folks, pure fucking magic because... This stuff doesn't sound real. <laughs> it sounds like make-believe. And, and Matt, yeah. speaking of make-believe, Star Wars. It is make-believe, but they help tell stories. I think we can maybe learn some stuff from Star Wars in terms of how to help effectively tell stories. But before maybe we dig into Star Wars, I know I had a lot there that I laid out. Is there anything in particular you want to uh, take away and maybe uh, dig into a little bit? You know, I, I think the, the Star Wars story is all about the power of people and the power of hope to overcome incredibly technol incredible technology and incredible evil and the evil of, of centralized power. I mean, to me, that's a central theme throughout the star Wars series. And it goes back to your point about technology. On the one hand, it's incredibly liberating and incredibly democratizing. It's leveling the playing field, shifting all the power back to the end user. Um, that's all the good stuff, but it's also, the kind of stuff that that China uses for a social credit system. The Biden administration is talking about doing something uh, similar in the name of domestic terrorism. And it's that clash between the people and democracy and freedom on the one hand that you see in Star Wars and you see it in real life versus that that evil centralization that wants to control our lives and hijack this technology and use it to surveil us and control us and and in the case of COVID to scare us, right? And I happen to be on the side of hope and not just because I'm a Star Wars fan, but I think that people are innovative. I think that people um, have the wisdom and the know-how to figure out a way around whatever those obstacles are. And, and we need to appreciate the, the power of just letting people figure it out and the power of, of maybe maybe encouraging them, but not, not telling them what to do, not, not speaking down to them as if we're somehow smarter or more insightful than they are. But just in, as, as the great uh, libertarian philosopher Jerry Garcia once said, just let them do what they want. And somehow in that process, things turn out better, more beautiful and more powerful and more, more of everything. You know who is an unintentional um, libertarian philosopher, Mister Mister I guess Mister or Sir William Joel? Because I was driving, I had two weddings I've gone to in the past two weekends, Matt. It's been exhausting, but in my drives, I've heard some awesome tunes, and one of my favorite throwbacks was "My Life." And listening to the song "My Life," I mean, literally, the song is pretty much an overtly libertarian anthem, and it hit me. 
This is an overarching theme that you know we've seen permeate through the culture. There is a demand in the marketplace for what we're offering, but I don't know why we just constantly lose. Well, I'd say that tongue in cheek. I know why, but we we continuously lose in the marketplace of actually selling this as a solution to people. We can win them on the ideas because they're living the ideas in their own lives. And I think right there, that maybe speaks to exactly what we should be trying to do. And I actually tweeted this the other day is we need to stop trying to make people libertarians start solving the problems that they see in their lives with libertarian solutions. And that will infinitely do more than force feeding them, you know, some, uh, say another economics book. Cause that's usually what we do as libertarians. We say, Oh, you have a problem. Well, here's an economics chapter that you should go ahead and read. That doesn't work for, for folks in terms of actually changing their minds. We need to meet them where they're at and enter into those conversations about the issues that they really care about. And, and Matt, that's, why I think, you know, telling stories, and I mean, you, and we talk about Star Wars here, right? You look at, in Star Wars, you have the big bad government, and yeah, it's an easy, it's an easy story to see the the dynamic, the good team versus the bad team, and the, the good team facing, really, this monopoly on violence. It's quite literally a Death Star that can obliterate an entire planet in one zap, and I mean, what could be more scary than that, and yet, we see right now we have an entire society that has, what, how many countries with nukes that could blow this planet up a million times over? Essentially, it is our Earth's Death Star. It's it's funny how much science fiction is is always that metaphor about centralized power and government abuse of power versus freedom fighters that, that just want to be left alone. Right. And, and the, the power of, of that genre and the popularity of it, and, you know, Star Wars, of course, is iconic, um, tells us that emotionally that spirit is in every human being. And and there's there's contradictions, right? Uh, emotions and human beings are, are complex creatures, and and sometimes we contradict ourselves with, with the various things. And, you know, one of those contradictions is liberty versus fear and security versus uh, the ability to do what you want as long as you don't hurt people or take their stuff. And we, we can tap into that because I think the desire to be free is a thing and it's, but it's messy. It's, I call it beautiful chaos. And, and I'm thinking about this tiny little argument that we're having within the libertarian party that is kind of a metaphor for how we get too big. How do we get a massive movement. So like I'm talking about something much bigger than the Tea Party ever was. And the Tea Party at one point was polling 45% positive with the American people, which is about as big of a, um, a cult movement as you can come up with. Um, but I, I think I think we libertarians can get much bigger than that. But we have to get comfortable with the idea that there's some core values that we share with almost all, all Americans. And then there's some exotic arguments that we love to have about driver's licenses that probably don't matter that much in the scheme of things. And maybe we should just go get a beer sometime and argue about those in a pub. Um, and this this argument we're having within the LP between those who want to be purists and those who want to be pragmatists, I say do both. And But when you become a leader of a movement... And, you know, whether I asked for it or not, at one point I was a leader of a big social movement. I felt an obligation to speak for everybody in that community. 
which meant that other views that I had had to sit outside of that conversation at the time. And there were core values that held us together. I think there are core values that, that hold um, the small L libertarian movement together. And um, I don't care where you come from. I think there's a party that's big enough for Tulsi Gabbard. I think there's room for for Thomas Massey when he finally comes to his senses and comes over to the libertarian side. <laughs> come on, Tom. Ev- everybody in between. Uh, Ron Paul, 100%. Um, but everybody else as well. And and we we work on those stories at Free the People. Some of the some of the things we do are really designed to reach conservatives that don't know they're libertarians yet. Other projects we do are designed for progressives who don't know that they're libertarians or or just are looking for for something because they know something doesn't feel quite right. Um, I want all of those folks and I think that's okay because that's how you grow social movements. Not only, not only is it a uh, a needed part; it's a crucial part because otherwise, we're going to stay what one percent of one percent in terms of electoral success. And I do say um, that it is important for us to start focusing also on that local local elections. I mean, that's where if we do want to have some electoral success and get these policies into action that are actually going to help people right now. I mean you're not going to have too much success going through a state bureaucracy or going through a federal bureaucracy. So start local, start where, you know, the town clerk, you know, your city council member, especially if it's a smaller, more local community that you are a part of focus on getting involved. I mean, yes, we like to talk about being individuals and, and living our lives so long as you know, you can live your life. What is it? Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Just, you know, do your thing. Leave me be. But Hey, if we're going to have a society where we do have some government right now, acknowledge what we have and let's go ahead and get involved in the community, show that we do care about each other and that, hey, we're an integral part of trying to offer solutions to the people or the problems rather that people see out there. So with that being said, Matt, obviously you have so many great things you're doing over at Free the People. And also uh, we, we did tease it, but also your phenomenal podcast, which you just had a mutual friend here on the show, Stephen Kent, and his awesome new program on Al Jazeera. What? I know that caught me off guard. Um, but talking about Star Wars over on Kibbe on Liberty, part of Glenn Beck's The Blaze Network. So what else do you have coming down the pike as we move through 2021? So the... Uh... All of the above, we're about to release uh, at Freedom Fest, at the Anthem Film Festival, a documentary that we just completed on uh, the story about a family restaurant in Brooklyn that has been devastated not only by lockdowns from a business perspective, but it's a it's a it's a it's an emotionally wrenching, tragic story about um, someone that a family that's lost almost everything in this process. And, and it's hopefully about hope, but it's, it's also about the power of, of government to destroy people. So we're doing that. Uh, we, we just released a, um, uh, kind of a spoken poem with, uh, Sienna May, who is a new friend of free the people. And she is a former progressive who declared her independence while watching the clash, um, between police and BLM activists at, at a local protest. And she realized that she could sympathize with both sides in this and and in her personal way, find common ground between individualism and the collective, meaning the community. And I, I think that's a beautiful piece that, that hopefully speaks to people that are searching our independence and looking for something different. So we're constantly experimenting with this kind of stuff. 
And uh, we're we're going to continue to try to reach upstream of politics and reach the liberty curious. I like it, Matt Kibbe. And I'm trying. I am trying to find an iPhone, an iPad, something so I can get on Clubhouse with you guys because right now I am part of the Android generation. So I'm working on it. I'm trying to find something out there. So yeah, we're, we're going to get there. I'm going to get on the Clubhouse. I know you guys are having great conversations there as well. Um, so thank you again, Matt, for all the hard work you're doing and helping fight for liberty and also telling great stories and showing people how to do that themselves. Matt Kibbe, free the people and Kibbe on liberty. As always, a pleasure. Thanks for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Thanks, Brian. Our goal at The Chris Spangle Show is to help you sound smarter while talking with your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian perspective with all of the irreverence modern politics deserves. We toss out the screaming heads and put people before political parties and give context to the news to make you think. I'm the host. I'm a 15-year veteran of politics and media, and this show is published every Saturday. It's part of the We Are Libertarians network, and be sure to join Wall Plus for bonus podcasts, the complete archives, commercial-free shows, and more. Subscribe now at wearelibertarians.com. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Matt Kibbe. Always a fantastic conversation to be had with Matt, so thank you, as always, Matt, for joining the program. And folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Please do me a solid and share the episode with your family and friends. Let's share the message of how better storytelling can help advance liberty. That is the goal, right, to see liberty in our lifetimes, and I think we find that the solutions out there that we have as really the the answers to the problems that are being presented by people on the left and right across the board, honestly, it is on us to show that, yes, those solutions can be solved by the liberty solutions we see and we know will work, but we have to be able to articulate that vision and storytelling is the best way to do that. So thank you, Matt, and your amazing team over at Free the People. Now, folks, here at The Brian Nichols Show, yes, we're trying to do more of what we're doing here, and that is helping change people's minds by helping educate you guys as an audience to be better communicators and better advocates for liberty. So if you want to get part of that amazing group here at The Brian Nichols Show, you can become a member of our Patreon. You can become a member of the entry-level sales and you become a member getting one of these, first of all, to peak interest. Don't hurt people and don't take people's stuff. Bumper sticker, you're here on the YouTube. Obviously, you get to see that right here on screen. For you audio listener, though, I promise it is absolutely fantastic. That's going to peak people's interest for sure, but also, <clears throat> and coming up here on Friday, I'm going to tease excuse me, I'm going to tease here for Friday's episode uh, what we have in store, and it is coming up to be a, a great uh, ebook I have spent some time digging into and, and really what what are we trying to do we're trying to change people's minds right so what I want to do is give you guys a very easy to have resource uh, that you can read right now and it's four easy steps you can implement right now to sell liberty to family and friends so I'll kind of give you the preface here. My intro goes after the 2020 election. Many Americans found themselves at odds with friends, neighbors, and even family because, hey, tensions were high and, and hey, they're still kind of high, right? So now if you're reading this ebook or you're hearing me talk about this ebook, you're obviously in the mindset of trying to change people's minds instead of winning arguments and debates. Well, guess what? You're already leaps and bounds ahead of the majority of folks who are more concerned about being right all the time. Being right doesn't mean that you get to change people's mind. You can believe you're right have all the data necessary to prove you're right, and still people will refuse to listen. So, 
How do we actually change people's minds? And how can we sell liberty to friends and family alike? Folks, if that sounds compelling to you, well, make sure you tune in to next Friday's episode. Yes, I'm going to go through and walk step by step four of those easy steps, but so you'll have a concrete thing to take away. Yes, we'll have the ebook ready for you guys for Friday's episode. I'm so excited. This is a great uh, chance for all of you guys to uh, to get a, not only a, a resource that you can utilize, but this is really some easy concrete stuff that's going to help you become better advocates for liberty, but also every other facet in your life that you have to be able to quote unquote sell something, whether it's an idea, you want to maybe go for a, a job interview, sell yourself, um, or if you're trying to uh, sell what these ideas of liberty to people out there, you know, every single day, that's what we're talking about here at the program. And this is a great resource and a great guide to help you be able to accomplish that. So with that being said, folks, thank you so much for joining the show. Also, if you have not done a five-star rating and review, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us that quick, yes, five-star rating and review. I greatly appreciate it. I read every single one. I, I, I can't thank you enough for all the love and support already with these awesome five-star rating and reviews. And also, folks, if you want to go ahead and email me, brian at Show.com. Love to hear from you. I'd love to uh, hear what ideas you have for guests. And uh, yes, I mentioned no guests next uh, episode here on Friday, but rather a solo episode. So we're going to talk again specifically about those four steps you can take right now to change people's hearts and minds. And folks, if you enjoy the episode here on the YouTubes, I can't uh, I can't forget, please go ahead and give us a share, hit a thumbs up. And uh, if you haven't hit the little bell icon yet to make sure you're getting every single notification when we go live here for you YouTube listener before everybody else. Yes, you get to hear us on Sunday nights for the Monday episode. And then on uh, Tuesday nights and Thursday nights for our Wednesday and Friday episodes, respectively. So, folks, please, uh, if you have not had uh, the chance to head over to the YouTube, head over there, hit that subscribe button. But with that being said, folks, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Matt Kibbe. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.